0: Welcome to the Private School Leader Podcast, where private school leaders learn how to thrive and not just survive as they serve and lead their schools. I strongly believe that it is possible to have a long and happy and fulfilling career as a private school leader, and my passion is to help you figure out exactly how to do just that, right here on the Private School Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Minkus. So I want to start today's episode by asking you to use your imagination. So I want you to imagine this. So let's say that you're watching your favorite NFL team on a Sunday afternoon, and the quarterback of your team leaves the game and goes over to that blue medical tent that's on the sideline. And he's in there for a while, and then he comes out and he stands on the sideline for the rest of the game, but he doesn't go back into the game. Okay, and then after the game, they interview the quarterback, of course, and they're asking him questions, and he just keeps saying, no comment, no comment, and then they interview the coach, his post-game news conference, and they ask about the quarterback, and he says, no comment, okay, so then they get the day off on Monday, but on Tuesday, Wednesday, the quarterback's kind of hanging around the facility, but he doesn't practice, and when they ask the coach, he just says no comment. Okay, so what's going to happen on local sports talk radio? They're going to be losing their minds because there's they don't know what's going on. And so there's wild speculation. Is the quarterback done for the year? Um, did, did he get a concussion? What's the injury? Is he having personal problems? Is he having legal problems? Is this really the coach's way to bench him without um, – you know, saying why, um, is there substance abuse? Is there, you know, it would just go crazy as far as the speculation about why this quarterback, the quarterback of your team is not practicing and is, is not playing in the game. Now, here's the reason that I asked you to do that. When there is no information about something that happens, when there is no narrative created by the team by the coach, by the quarterback, then the fans will create the narrative. And it will almost always be incorrect. Okay, now I want you to think about your school. Here we go. (laughs) Take a deep breath, all right? If the parents at your school haven't been hearing from your teachers about what's going on at school in their classes, I'm saying radio silence, I'm saying crickets, They're not hearing things. Then their narrative from the school is not being controlled by the adults. And so then the parents will ask their kid, their child, well, what did you do at school today? Nothing. Well, what did you learn at school today? Nothing. And now a narrative void exists at your school And the parents' only information is based on what they hear at the dinner table or from the back seat when they're driving their kid to their next practice. If there's a narrative void at your school, the parents will fill the narrative void and it will almost always be incorrect. And when a narrative void exists, it will always be filled. And so on today's episode of the Private School Leader Podcast, we are going to talk about the narrative void. What is it? I'm going to give you a couple of examples of narrative void. I already gave you one in sports. I'm going to give you one for business and one from entertainment. How will my parents fill the narrative void at my school? Why does it exist in our schools? And most importantly, what are some strategies that my teachers can use to intentionally fill the narrative void? so important stuff here today. But before we jump into today's topic, I want to let you know I've created a free guide for you called Five Strategies to Help You Work with Difficult Parents, and this guide will help give you tools to build better relationships and have better meetings with difficult parents at your school, and you can get that at slash parents. Also, I'd like to ask for a favor. I would really appreciate it if you would take a few minutes and go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast and write a review because your reviews actually help the algorithm push this podcast out to more private school leaders as a suggested podcast. And wherever you listen, if just write a review and rate the show. And I just really appreciate you listening. I hope you're getting value and i really appreciate you helping me out with this because we want more leaders to hear this content all right thank you again for that so what is the narrative void so specifically the narrative a narrative void is a lack of meaningful and effective exchange of information all right that makes sense so there hasn't been a meaningful and effective exchange of information so one of the biggest fallacies of about communication is is that effective communication has actually taken place two people are communicating with each other they both leave that meeting they think that they had great communication and they both are completely have a completely different viewpoint on how that meeting went that happens all the time right so there's part of that but really this has to do and the word void is very informative it it's just that it's not so much that there's a misunderstanding of what is said. It's just that there's not things being said. That's why there's, there's nothing there. It's a void of space. It's, it's, a, it's a void. And so it's a gap or disconnect in the narrative story between what's happening at school and what parents think is happening at school. So I want to pump the brakes. I want you to hear this sentence again. The narrative void is a gap or a disconnect in the narrative or story between what is happening at school and what parents think is happening at school. And I know I said this once already, but I'm going to throw it at you again. What did you do at school today? Nothing. What did you learn at school today? Nothing. That's what's filling the narrative void And I want to kind of delineate between lower school teachers and intermediate and middle school and high school teachers for a moment because I think that lower school teachers actually do a pretty good job of filling the narrative void. And some of that is because it's a self-contained classroom. They spend all day with those students. And so they see those students as their specific responsibility. And over the years, what I've seen is is that lower school teachers are pretty good about a weekly email or a class newsletter. At our school, we have um, Classroom Dojo. I'm sure you have things at your school that are ways for teachers to communicate. And I think that as kids get older... um, and they start changing classes, and that happens at different ages in in our schools. Um, In my school, it starts at fourth grade. Um, They start changing classes, and then what happens is is that these students, let's just say fourth through twelfth graders, now they have several teachers in a day. And so I think what happens is is that for, let's just say, um, uh, an eighth grade teacher, um, let's say it's the eighth grade social studies teacher. Well, they have a lot of kids coming in and out of their classroom over the course of a day or a week or a cycle, and they don't see those kids all day long. And so I think that there's sort of this mindset of, well, I've, it's a capacity issue, first of all, depending on how big your school is and how many total students that eighth grade social studies teacher is seeing, but then some of it is a responsibility issue, some of it is an expectations issue. But I think that what it all adds up to is a void, a lack of communication. And then the communication from the students, the children at home, when they're asked about their day, is what fills the narrative void. And so we know what it is. I want to give some examples to illuminate that even further. And then, like I said, we're going to get into some strategies about how we can make this better. Okay. So two more examples of a narrative void. And I already gave you one about the quarterback. And I really want to bring this home for you. I really want to illuminate this for you. So I'm going to use an example from business. So let's just say, again, use your imagination, shareholders of a big corporation, and they have a shareholders meeting twice a year. So let's say a few days before the shareholder's meeting that the CEO cancels the meeting and doesn't give any explanation. Okay, well, how are the shareholders going to react? Well, okay, they're going to lose their minds. Um, there's going to be wild speculation, right? They're going to be like, well, are profits down? Is something wrong with manufacturing? Um, is there a scandal? Um, is, is it a supply chain problem? You know, your mind runs wild, and and it will get bad, and it will get bad fast. And depending on the size of the corporation, and if they're shareholders, that means it's a publicly traded company. Something like canceling a shareholders' meeting and not filling that narrative void will most likely lead to that stock doing a nosedive, and so it will get bad. The narrative void exists. It will always be filled, and it's usually going to be filled with something that is incorrect. Okay, and then one last example, and this one, I gave you one from the sports world, one from the business world. I'm going to give you one last one from the entertainment world. All right, so um, last month, my daughter somehow managed to get uh, tickets to the Taylor Swift concert when she came to town, and let's just say that Taylor Swift cancels a show and there's no information about why. Just the show's canceled. There's no statement from her PR people. It's just the show is canceled and there's no information. Okay. So now the speculation begins. Did she, was she sick? Did she have the flu Are her vocal cords damaged? Um, is she having personal problems? Um, the speculation will get wild. It'll be about mental health or boyfriends or substance abuse or she doesn't care about her fans or you name it. It'll just be stuff will be made up and it will get bad and it'll get bad quickly. And it's because whenever a narrative void exists, it will always be filled. So I hope that we've teed this up that you're thinking about this in the context of your school. And what I want you to be thinking about honestly is to assess right now on a scale of 1 to 10, and you could break it up by division. Let's just say you break it up by um, lower school, middle school, upper school. And on a scale of 1 to 10, you're going to, with 1 being the worst and 10 being the best, I want you to rate for a moment. Just think about this come up with a number my lower school teachers how are they at filling the narrative void with my parents keeping them informed about what's going on generating some excitement maybe a few photos um, making sure that they know kind of what's going on lower school scale of 1 to 10 what about your middle school teachers on a scale of 1 to 10 how are they doing with filling the narrative void with the parents Um, is that number lower than lower school? If so, why? And we'll talk about what we can do about that. And then finally, think for a moment about your upper school, your high school. On a scale of 1 to 10, how are your teachers doing with filling the narrative void that exists between what's going on at school and what parents think is going on at school? All right, so let's talk about how are the parents going to fill the narrative void. See, here's the tricky part. Parents don't always notice it right away or even notice it ever because parents are pretty busy. Um, You've got people that are working and they're um, running kids to practices and they've got all kinds of stuff going on. But then what I've found in my experiences is is that what happens is is that it's like they don't notice, they don't notice, but all of a sudden they do notice, and then it's like a big deal. Okay? Does that resonate with anyone listening right now? Um, They don't notice the narrative void. They don't really notice that they're not hearing much from the school or knowing much about what's going on with their kid, but then all of a sudden they notice, and it's a big deal. So, I want you to think about this, that the narrative void has a huge influence on a lot of things. First of all, retention. So every year, parents are asked to re-enroll at your school. And every year, they make a decision. Sometimes it's an easy decision. Sometimes it's not. And the decision that they're being asked to make is, Am I receiving good value for my tuition dollars? We actually have that as a question on our annual survey. And that's a whole other episode. If you don't have an annual survey, I would suggest that you create one and start to do that. Usually early spring, late winter. One of our questions on our survey is, um, do you perceive that you get a good value for your tuition dollars? And then there's a scale. But when it comes to retention, they're making a decision on whether or not it's worth it for me to spend this money this way or to spend this money a different way. And so I feel that it's important if we know that we as leaders can have clear expectations for our teachers to fill the narrative void we can have it be a no-brainer for parents, of course, of course. And it's not just the warm and fuzzy things about the community and about the um, how happy their kid is at school and um, the school spirit and just the warmth of the teachers and their dedication. All of that can be true, but if they feel like they're in the dark, not only about what's going on at school, but this extends to are your teachers updating their grade book? Are teachers updating the uh, parent-facing digital uh, homework, place where homework lives? Um, Or is that not being updated and it's really far behind? And what about parent-teacher conferences? Are there surprises at parent-teacher conferences? So, again, the narrative void has a lot of... Uh, has a huge influence on retention, perceived value for tuition dollars, the overall perception of the school, and the quality of relationships between the parents and the teachers. So how and when will parents fill the narrative void? Well, they'll do that in the conversations that they have sitting next to each other in the bleachers at the basketball game, or if two of them go on a morning walk or a morning bike ride together, or by text, or when they're at the pool. Or they're at the gym working out or at a kid's birthday party and the kids are playing and the adults are standing around talking. Basically, any time that they're together, if it comes up, the narrative void will be filled. Well, how will they fill it? Well, think about the information that they actually have. What did you do today? Nothing. What did you learn today? Nothing. Now, we know that the kids did hands-on, long-term projects, engaged learning, um, that they had an amazing day at school. And what did you learn today? We know that they learned things today at your school. But I mentioned before about the kind of the difference between lower school and middle school and high school. It's kind of a double whammy. And what I mean by that is is that usually, in my experience, over the years, lower school teachers, because it's a self-contained classroom, do a pretty good job of keeping the parents informed of that stuff, and lower school kids are young enough that they're still excited when they come home to talk about their day. But you know that when you get to middle school and high school, that's not cool anymore, and so it's cool to just grunt or say nothing or whatever, and so if in middle school and high school we take a little drop down from what the parents were used to in lower school, then again, that void exists. So how will the parents fill it? Well, they might say, I have no idea what's going on at school, or you would think for what I'm paying in tuition, I would know what my son is learning in science class, or it will be speculation. Are they going to give your teachers the benefit of the doubt and say, well, they're really busy and maybe that's why I haven't heard anything. Okay. Maybe they will. Um, Maybe they think that um, they really aren't doing that much, or maybe they really aren't learning anything, because what do they have to to change that point of view? Here's another thing that they could do. Well, my son said that they watched a movie today. Well, okay, it was probably like a three-minute brain pop video that was relevant to the class, but that's just an example of filling the narrative void, and it sounds crappy, and it feels crappy, but this is something that is sometimes said and it's based on the information that they hear. Um, Another way that they could fill it is saying something like, well, I really wonder if my daughter is going to be ready for high school or I really wonder what the academic rigor is over there. I never hear anything about what's going on. And just, I want you to pause. I know that some of this is uncomfortable, but hopefully it will spur you to take action if you need to take action on this issue at your school. But I want you to think about the cumulative effect of the narrative void. And again, that little, that, that it's not a little decision, that big decision that they make that w- when re enrollment is uh, upon them and they're asked that question and they're asked to think about is what they're getting worth what I'm paying? And so I'm not saying by any means that a narrative void is the only factor in that decision, but it is a factor. There's a lot of things going on there, but let's not contribute or give reasons for our parents to decide to either go to another private school or go to the public school. So last thing before we get into the strategies that will fix this. There are some legitimate reasons why this exists in our schools? Why does the narrative void exist in our private schools? Well, first of all, our teachers are really, really busy. That's, that's a fact. They're really busy. They wear a lot of hats and they're teaching the kids that are in front of them. They're planning lessons, engaging lessons. They're grading papers. They're grading homework. They're making sure their technology works. They're doing all of these things and maybe it just, they don't get to it. But here's another thing, and this is on us as the school leaders, maybe there are unclear expectations surrounding communicating with the parents. And that could be unclear expectations as far as keeping them informed about what's going on, what you're learning in the class, or it could be unclear expectations or perhaps, and this is going to sting a little, and I'm guilty of this not holding teachers accountable for keeping their grade book up to date or for posting homework assignments. That's on us. Um, there also could be an incorrect perception about parents. Well, parents are to be avoided. Is is that kind of the narrative among your teachers? Let's face it. the f- It usually figures out to be around 5% that are the really, really difficult parents in our schools, but those 5% kind of contaminate the reputation of all the parents in many schools. And teachers perceive parents are to be avoided, and there's a mutual distrust. And so is that the perception? And another reason why it might exist in our schools is that our teachers don't see the connection Between keeping parents informed and building trust and building those relationships with the parents and how this benefits the child and their growth academically and emotionally. And so we're going to touch on that now that we're moving on to the last part of this podcast and probably the most important part of this episode. And that is, what are some strategies that my teachers can use to intentionally fill the narrative void at my school? All right. I've divided this into two categories. Number one, what the leader can do, and number two, what the teacher can do. All right. First of all, us, we as leaders, we need to talk to our teachers and not just tell them, okay, well, here's what I want you to do. We need to explain how this actually helps the child. We also need to give them clear expectations, we need to hold them accountable, and then we need to consistently have their back with the parents. So let's dig into that for a moment. If we wanna explain how this actually helps their child, we can talk about how you know a parent being engaged and involved and informed about what's going on with their child Um, makes for a better relationship and gives the child more opportunity for growth, support at home. There are tons of positives that can come out of that. Giving clear expectations. They need to know, what do you want us to do? How many times have your teacher said that? Just tell me what you want me to do. But then once those expectations are clear, then we need to hold them accountable even when it's uncomfortable for us to do that. And I'm speaking to myself first with that one. And then we need to have their back when they do deal with a difficult parent that's misbehaving. Because if we don't, then we're reinforcing their perception that all of the parents are that way when really it's a percentage of the parents that are that way. All right. What about the teachers? Like I said, lower school teachers, in my experience, do pretty well with this. But as soon as they start switching classes, um, there's a change. And I'll tell you what we did. And we actually just started this at the beginning of last school year. But we have a sample size of one year. And I also have the sample size of the narrative void that existed before we started doing this. So here's what we did. In fourth through eighth grade, we required our teachers to send an, what we called an end of unit, start of unit, update. So let's say it's the science teacher and it's sixth grade science. Okay. So what she did was at the end of a unit, let's say it was a unit on um, earthquakes and volcanoes, you know, in earth science. And then they're going to start a new unit on, let's say it's on um, erosion and, um Rivers, streams, the ocean. Okay. So she would send an email to the parents of all the sixth graders, you know, so class of whatever. um, That's how our email um, describes the, the email group of parents, class of, you know, and that's their graduating class year on the BCC line. And it would just be literally two very short paragraphs. One would be like, hey, we're just wrapping up, you know, volcanoes and earthquakes, and we did this and that, and we're really excited to begin this new unit on erosion, this and that. And then there would be, let's say, three photos from some hands-on stuff that she did with them in sixth grade science, and that's at the bottom of the email, send, all right? So, I know that I made that sound like that's not a heavy lift for the teacher. Um, It is something that they're going to have to get used to. You're going to have to sell them on the vision. It's okay to talk to them not only about how this benefits the child, but that it's also a PR aspect of the school. You can talk to them about the narrative void. It's very intuitive when they hear it and understand it. But, again, it benefits the child, but it's also good for Retention and every retention is everybody's responsibility. What I've noticed over this past school year that concluded about a month ago is that of the eleven years at my current school, that I've had more positive comments from parents in fourth through eighth grade this year about, wow, you know, it's so cool about what they're doing in social studies class or in. Um, you know, language arts class and this, this novel that they're reading and this and that now is that every parent? No, some parents, their inbox is too full and they just ignore the email. But again, I know my sample size is small, but I want to tell you that it it was very felt and very noticed and it was a big change. And I just would recommend that as a place to start. Um, and it might be something that you talk about with your leadership team, what's feasible, um, what is what can you do? But I'm just telling you that that's something that we did. And you know, once a unit um, and do the whole grade, um, our teachers adjusted to it. and it was, I don't want to say it was a really, really heavy lift for them. It was ex- it was more work. But I think that they adjusted to it as far as being able to figure out ways to do that and it not be a big, big lift for them. Okay. And then just to wrap it up, the last couple things would be, again, making sure that your teachers are consistent with the gradebook and posting homework. That teachers need to reach out when there's an issue. Kind of that no surprises policy policy. Um, teachers need to be sharing the rock star moments when the kid does something amazing. Just, again, just that two-sentence email to the parent makes a huge difference. And honest feedback at parent-teacher conferences or and or on report card comments. So sometimes teachers want to hold back on that honest feedback because they don't want to deal with the parent. But... That is another way to continue to fill the narrative void. It's not just done with an email that talks about what they just learned and a couple of photos. That helps a lot. I've seen it. But it's all of these other things that are very, very likely at your school already part of their job, part of their expectation. It's just the follow through. Okay. So let's talk about the big takeaways from today's episode. When a narrative void exists, it will always be filled. And it's a void, it's a gap, it's a disconnect, and it will be filled either by the teachers or by the parents. And I gave you some examples of narrative void in sports and with a quarterback, business, shareholders meeting that was canceled, and entertainment, a Taylor Swift concert that was canceled. And so you have to ask yourself, how will my parents fill the narrative void? Um, I would encourage you to think about and rate your teachers in the various divisions on a scale of one to 10 on how good are they, how good of a job are they doing? How good of a job did they do last year with that communication, that information and the consistency of same. Um, Also the strategies that my teachers can use to intentionally fill the narrative void. Um, We talked about those. I'll make sure that those are in the show notes, but, Basically, what works for your school is going to be different than what works for my school or a different leader school that's listening to this episode. But it's worthy of conversation of what is your teachers, teachers can handle and to then consistently do that thing. All right, so what's your call to action today? Well, I want you to pick one thing that you are going to do to have your teachers fill the narrative void at your school because it exists at every school just to varying degrees. Maybe it doesn't exist at all at your school and you guys are rocking it. Well then, if that's the case, then thank you for listening to this episode. I guess it really wasn't for you. But in most of our schools, some level of narrative void exists. So your call to action is pick one thing that you're going to do to have your teachers fill the narrative void and then You're going to clearly communicate that expectation during teacher in service in August if you're listening to this in real time or at your next faculty meeting if you're listening to this at some point in the future. All right, let's wrap it up. Um, A reminder that there's a free resource for you called The Top Six Ways to Protect Your School from a Lawsuit. This will help you keep your staff and students safe and keep your school out of court And you can grab that over at theprivateschoolleader.com slash lawsuit. And I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email at mark.o.minkus at gmail.com. Let me know about a strategy that you picked up from one of the episodes that you're using at school. Or let me know a pain point or an idea that you have for a future episode. Email me at mark.o.minkus at gmail.com. And today's show notes are found at ThePrivateSchoolLeader.com episode 39. A new episode comes out every week on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm on Instagram at ThePrivateSchoolLeader, Twitter at ThePSLeader. And if you got value from this episode, I would love, love, love if you would share this with another leader at your school or someone that you think is an aspiring leader at your school. And I've been your host, Mark Minkus. I want to say I appreciate you so much and all the hard work that you're doing at your school. Thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule to join me here today. And I will see you next time on the Private School Leader Podcast. And until then, always remember to serve first, lead second, and make a difference.